0: Well, I'm glad that you're here. I want to say hello to everybody at RCMU, fellows. We're glad you're in on this, and I w- hello to everybody at East. It's so good that I, one day we'll get to go over there and it will flood East. But, but I'm glad you're in on this, and everyone at West, I'm glad you're here. We're gonna jump into another cliche. Now, 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 for those of you who're worried, I mean, some of you are very concerned about this. You're like, so can we never ever say these things again? Like. Is God going to be mad? No, no, no. we're just using the cliches to learn more about God. And so let's jump right into this. Here it is, forgive and forget. I mean, sometimes, well, if you're the guilty one, you've said this. <laughs> you've offered that to someone like, hey, you need to forgive, and you better forget that. Like, you better, like now. But, but, but if someone has ever offered that to you as wisdom, where they, they say, you know what, in order for you to get beyond this, whatever it is, experience this relationship, they've, they've extended to you that cliche, uh, the, the only way, the only way to get beyond this is to forgive and forget it. Well, there's some danger in that statement. In fact, frankly, I'm going to tell you that this cliche holds something that uh, could do damage to your actual soul. And so I want you to really press in and think about this. But here's what I know about forgiveness. Here's what I know about this whole conversation is for some of us, it stirs up some stuff. It stirs up that pain that perhaps you haven't forgiven or or you just freshly have forgiven. And I'm aware of this, that there's, especially in our world today, there's people that just do horribly wrong things. Betray people. they, They hurt people. They abandon people. And I know that when we talk about oh man we're talking about forgiveness like David like there's a lot that just stirs up a lot and I'm not sure I want to go into this well well if you're feeling that right now I think this message is extremely pertinent for you. So just know that as I share this stuff that what I think God wants us all to hear as I share this know that I'll be, do my very best to be sensitive about that. But I think there's something that you and I cannot neglect or even deny. It's about relationships, it's about forgiveness. It's pieced together, and let me say it this way. Your success with people is dependent on your ability to give and receive forgiveness. Let me say this again, because I really want you to just kind of just sink in. Your success with people, your ability to have good, healthy relationships is dependent on your ability to give and receive forgiveness. And I know some of us are like, can it just be dependent on receiving? Like, I I don't want to give it to everybody, but, but I would tell you if you're old enough, You would say, yep, because many of the relationships that you and I have had, let's just call them broken. It's because forgiveness just didn't happen. Maybe you didn't feel like you could offer it. Maybe no one offered it to you. But I would tell you, if you and I are going to succeed, if you and I are actually going to have relationships that thrive, that are healthy, let's go deeper on this. If you and I are going to have healthy families, forgiveness needs to be a part of it. For those of you who are contemplating getting into marriage, you better be prepared to give forgiveness and receive it as well. I'm trying to teach this to my kids. We've got three kids as young as three, but we're trying to teach them that the power of saying I'm sorry. I mean, some of us would say, I wish just people would say I'm sorry more often. Fact, I bet you've got friends or family members who refuse to say that. Yeah, like, they never, it's never their fault. They've, they've never done anything ever. Well, they wouldn't tell you that, but they've never said I'm sorry. So we've been teaching this to our kids, they're just trying to this. And we want, as a family, to be a family that if you mess up, you own it, right? That's that's a healthy family. So, so the other day, Katie and I are just talking, catching up on each other's days. We're sitting on a couch, just talking and talking and talking. Now I told you I had a three-year-old. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a three-year-old boy. They don't stop moving. Like, if you don't know the life of a three-year-old, there's a sleep time and it's brief. Uh, there's a sleep time in the, in, the, in the late night, but the rest of the time, they're just, they're just going. They have some sort of supernatural energy that I would like to get access to. But, but a three-year-old boy just moves all the time, and, and our three-year-old, Titus, really believes he's a superhero, which I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to hate on that, right? You're like, yeah, you are. Uh, he problem is he's mixing some. He thinks he's the Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, and Superman all in one. So for those of you who haven't had kids yet, you don't know what that means. That means he tries to fly. He tries to beat up people, and he thinks that he can just tumble everywhere he goes. So it's, it's fun unless, and here's the example. Katie and I are sitting talking. Well, of course, he's weaving in amongst us. Now he's thinking, well, how's he weaving? Yeah, he's climbing over the couch, going under tables around, jumping on our backs, and while we're, we're trying to legitimately, like, let's have a serious conversation. But he's a three-year-old. Now, now the moment happened, and, and if, you don't, if you don't know Someone got hurt. (laughs) See, Katie, all of a sudden, she's looking at me listening and just screams, ow. I'm like, oh, I know what happened. See, see, Titus said, gone around and stepped on her toe. It's fascinating about our toes. You don't need a big thing to land on your toe for it to feel like someone just shot your toe off. Right? I mean, that's just its amazing. Well, so our little three-year-old stepped on her toe and she screamed. I mean, not trying to be mean, just yelled, ow. Well, you can make a three-year-old stop real quick when you yell ow and he just kind of thinking in his brain am I in big trouble or just little trouble <laughs> and so so he jumps right in to what we've talked about as a family I'm sorry mama I'm sorry that's oh, about as cues you can get to when when they say the word mama I, I'm sorry mama and he just over and over I'm sorry mama I'm sorry mama I'm sorry mama and she's like she she's, and she's rubbing her foot going that hurts so bad Then he turns from sweet, I'm sorry, mama, I'm sorry, mama, he gets mad. Let me tell you why he got mad, because because it still hurt. See, in his brain, he thought, I know how this works. I say I'm sorry, pain is gone. You're not allowed to acknowledge the pain anymore. And and so this three-year-old is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then he starts saying it in a mad way. I said I was sorry, mama, I said I was sorry, and it turned, and... I'm thinking this is kind of funny for me to watch, but, uh, and it's going on. And finally, she just kind of stops to, she stops showing that her toe hurts for him to understand it's fine. It's been fun to watch the kids learn the power of saying I'm sorry. And what what Titus knows now is that you should say you're sorry when you hurt someone. What Titus doesn't know yet is that saying I'm sorry doesn't remove the pain. He hasn't locked that in. And it'll take a while. Well, frankly, some adults don't have that yet, uh, where you and I will say we're sorry, and we think that there's this pain that just goes away. I mean, if you've ever been hurt, someone has probably told you, I'm sorry, and then they got upset with you that you didn't let it go. You didn't just like be done with it. Like, why does this hurt you anymore? And I said I was sorry, but, but all of us would acknowledge just have a grown-up conversation. I'm sorry doesn't remove pain. It just doesn't. It can't. I'm sorry does not take that, that moment, that circumstance, that, that experience, and just throw it away. You and I have to actually get into this conversation because some of us have been hurt really bad. I mean, some of you have been betrayed by someone. Someone that you were extremely close to. Someone, someone that you were in love with, and, and there was a betrayal, or, or perhaps they cheated on you in that way, and, or, or left you. Some of you, you've been abused, and there's this legitimate, and you're like, what do I do with this pain? If this is real, and this is wrong, and I would say, I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree that there are, so, there's pains out there that, that make me mad, probably that make you mad too. When someone does something to another person, and you're thinking, so, so what do I do with this? And so that's why... Forgive and forget gets traction. See, forgive and forget gets major traction when the pain is so grand and horrific that you don't know what to do with it. So you do what you think you're supposed to do. You bury it. You just start to live your life where you're like, you know, I got to forgive and forget. That's the right thing to do. And so, so to, in order to do that, I'm, the forget part is I'm going to dig a hole and I'm going to bury it. I'm going to put it away. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about it, think about it. I'm going to lie to everybody, say, I'm fine. It didn't really hurt that bad. But internally, you're going, that is consuming my life. See, this leads us down a path where we get major hurts. In fact, let me t- forgive and forget. Leads down a path of trying to bury what hurts. See, that's why I want you, I want to caution you. I'm trying to give you some caution. That if you're one of those folks, and, and I've said it too, that, that you're offering people, hey, forgive and forget. You just got to move beyond this. Just forget about it. Do forget about it. What we're, we're saying subconsciously to them is you're going to have to bury this because you got to get moving. That's dangerous, extremely dangerous. In fact, it goes to a whole nother level. Forgetting what happened closes the door on healing from what happened see when we get so well let's just fast on this when we get to the point that we're like I got to get over this everyone is going to know that I'm not over this I gotta I gotta just take this pain and, and bury it and get get rid of it and you gotta know that you are closing the door on the potential of actually healing it see forgive and forget teaches you and I that we're not allowed to deal with everything well let's press it even further Some of us just don't want to deal with everything. It seems like the pain of dealing with it is greater than the pain of just bearing it. And I would tell you, forgive and forget will take you down a, well, a very painful path. It'll do damage to your soul. It'll do damage to just your everyday life as you process life. Now, some of you, you're scholars, you're theologians. You, you've read your Bible a ton, which is great and awesome. But some of us are like, you know what? Okay, I'm a Christian now, or, or you're thinking about that. And, and you're going, doesn't God forgive and forget? I mean, isn't there some verses in that Bible about, about how God like, takes our sins and, and, and throws them away somewhere? And, and, and if he does that, then I'm probably supposed to do that. And, and if you've ever had a verse like, well, Hebrews 8.12, it gets quoted. Like when we're when we trying to help someone. I will forgive their wickedness. If you're like, what's wickedness? You know what wickedness is. I will forgive their wickedness, their mess-ups, their horrible choices, their sin, their betrayals, their cheating, their their lies. I'll forgive it. I'll forgive their sins. And I will never again remember their sins. See, that sounds pretty awesome. Awesome. I mean, if you, if you think about this let's, take this, let's take this literal for what you and I are read right now. Here's what he's saying is, I'll forgive you, and I will literally cause self-induced amnesia. It's what, if you read this like this, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember. Well, you and I, I mean, the opposite If you skipped English. The opposite of remember is forget. So that means I'm going to wash it away. won't have any recollection. So if you ever bring it up to me, I'm not going to have a clue what you're saying. I mean, if you take this for what this says. This, if you just take it for this, you believe and would have to lock on to the idea that God forgives your sins and then he has no clue of them anymore. Well, well we got to pick this apart because that will teach something about God that you and I do not need to know because it's not true. Let me show you a flip side, another example. You probably have heard of a guy named Noah. If you haven't, let me help you have some clue words. Big giant boat, big flood. And you're like, okay, that, that guy. And so Noah... There was a lot of evil going on in the world. In fact, it was so horrible that God could only find one righteous man. It was Noah. So he gathered up his family. He built a a, well, a handmade boat, (laughs) and and they got into the boat, loaded up the animals, and they set sail. How this works is God flooded the world, (laughs) And, and so he's floating. Now, I don't know if you know the whole story, if you uh, don't rely on the movie, by the way, to give you all the details. Uh, but, but here's the details, is it floods the earth and they not only deal with the rain that's flooding and that floods, but then there's days of they just float. Now, now I want to show you something, Genesis 8.1. Here's, here's this place, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals, this is after they've been floating for quite a while, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. Now, let me just point out, we're going to compare. Be prepared. This word remember. You remember the word remember? I'm going to use the word remember a lot, so I hope you remember the word remember. Remember. You remember the first part where God says, you know, I'll forgive your wickedness, and I'll remember your sins no more. If you read that verse as God creates some sort of amnesia moment where he literally forgets and if you were to bring it up, he wouldn't know about it, then you have to lock onto this verse where you, you think that, uh, well, it's this scenario. God's in heaven. Someone, an angel, that's maybe Gabriel, taps him on the shoulder, like, you know, sir. Um, I know you're busy, but Noah's still floating down there, and 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 you need to. He's just floating. He's, he's just floating. It's raining, and then God would have this moment. Oh no! Like, turn off the hose. Like, stop the whole thing. Like, you see, see, if you're going to read the first verse that that God forgives our our, our sins. And then he completely forgets, vacates all memory. You have to lock on and think that God totally forgot about Noah. As in completely absent-minded, totally forgot that there was a family on a boat on earth floating, and he was preoccupied with something. See, see let's be consistent in how we read the Bible. Let's be very consistent. We don't want to like, well, here's what I think happened. and Well, something totally different. No, no, no. Let's, let's be consistent. See, what God is showing us, and we're going to dig into this, is God doesn't forget our sins. And I know for some, you're like, whoa, thanks for the most depressing statement you've ever said. God doesn't forget our sins. I'm going to say this one more time. God doesn't have amnesia about our sins. Now, for some, you're thinking, oh, no, because you were banking on that. You were leaning on like, wait a minute, I thought this forgiveness thing worked where, where you forgive and then it's done, it's over, completely gone. Well, it doesn't work for you, does it? So you and I have to press a little bit further and really dig into this because God doesn't forget our sins. Let me show you something just in a word study. I've been told, I want you to remember the word remember, okay? So remember, where you see remember in Genesis and you see remember in Hebrews and you're looking at remember. What does that mean? See, for you and I, the opposite of remember is forget but that's not what it means to God. When the writers were writing this and documenting what God had done, they had a more of a relational approach to words. You and I think black and white. It's either remember or forget, and you've had that argument. But listen, listen. God is saying it's not at the front of my mind. If you want to dig into the words and the meaning of it, like why, what does remember mean? It's in the Bible. What does that mean? It means it's not on the front of my mind. It's not that there's been amnesia. It's that, He's not focusing on what you did. It's not that completely he's absent-minded, like, I have no idea what you did, David. No, it's like, I know what you did, but I'm not focusing. When I see you, I don't see what you've done. I see how incredible you are. That's how God does this, is he sees you for how incredible you are. That's why there's, there's beauty in this description. See, listen, listen. You don't want God to forget your sin. Because if you track that out, if God forgets your sin, that means the grace that he gave you to cover your sin doesn't have as much value. See, when someone hurts you, and you choose to not focus on that and you forgive them, that grace has a lot of power. But if you were to say to them, I have no idea what you did, it doesn't have as much power. And God's, well, God's all knowing, if you didn't know that. He knows everything. And whether you and I like it or not, God doesn't forget our sins, but he doesn't focus on it. Let me walk this further. Focus impacts forgiveness. See, some of you right now, you're thinking, you got that person in your mind. You've got that experience when that person did whatever they did or didn't do whatever they were supposed to do. You got that. You got that in your head. And and you're so focused on it. And listen, the more you and I focus on what someone's done, the more difficult it is to forgive them. Where you focus determines how you can offer forgiveness. And many of us have different people in our lives who we have hurt and who have hurt us. Let's go this even further. If you don't know this about what happens with forgiveness, if you let it foster and just stay there and you focus on the pain, you focus on the past, and that drives everything. Every one of your relationships is going to be driven by your pain. Everything that you decide to do is going to be driven by your pain. And you got to know our focus impacts our freedom. See, that's why this is so critical for you and I to link this up and to start putting some pieces together. When I tell you that God doesn't forget your sins and He doesn't focus on them, that should sound awesome. And for most of us, I like that idea, but then you got to transfer that over to our normal human relationships, and many of us have chosen to do the opposite of what God does for us. That's why I want to have this conversation with you. Forgive and forget is dangerous because it teaches you something about God that's not true and it teaches us a behavior that's unhealthy. So what if you and I were to be open to forgiveness? I don't need to give you a list of all the options of what can hurt and not hurt, but I think you and I know, you might even have the list in your head already, of the people who have wounded you or that you have wounded. What if you and I were to do our, well, our diligence to say, I want to have the conversation about forgiveness. I don't want to be a bitter person. What if you and I were to actually welcome forgiveness into our life? Well, I want want you to see a story, a story that, what's of a fountain springer, who you'll catch it obviously there was wounds of relationship and you'll hear that but you'll also hear this healthy lack of bitterness and you'll see a, well you'll frankly see a woman who has life. So I want you to give all your attention to the screens, TVs and check out this story that I think has profound significance for you and I.
1: My ex-husband and I were friends you know he would call me once in a while and he was seeing our son regularly Um, but he was also working in williston in the oil fields Um, and i got a phone call in november from his uh, his daughter from a previous relationship Um, she called me and said uh, i think daddy had a heart attack and he's at the hospital she said you need to get true here right away In 2012, I decided to move back to Rapid City after my daughter was born. And by that time, um, my ex-husband and I were getting along pretty well. We were co-parenting and he was actually there for me a few times when I would have struggles with our son. And once we moved back here, then he was getting regular visitation and they were able to develop a, a relationship as father and son. After I got moved back here and settled, I knew I needed to find a church home. We came on a Sunday, I think it was in that summer. The kids loved, 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 loved the kids' ministry. Um, When I picked him up after the service was over, True said, Mom, can we come back here every week? He was so excited, and I knew we were home. And it was a couple weeks after that that they made the announcement we would be launching a Celebrate Recovery. In the process of doing a step study with Celebrate Recovery, I really began to walk through peeling back the layers. Um, God began to show me that I needed to not only accept his forgiveness, but also forgive myself, and furthermore, to extend forgiveness to those who had harmed me. And as it turned out, he hadn't had a heart attack. He had been sick. He had some kind of infection, and it had worked its way into his bloodstream. And the nurses told me they didn't know how long he had been without oxygen to his brain and no idea what the extent of that damage could be. I went in the room with um, my ex-mother-in-law. She and I talked a little bit about the prognosis, and at one point she said, you know what, I think you two need some time alone together. Immediately, I just knew that was my opportunity to make amends, to do what I had learned in my step study. And so I apologized for my part in the insanity over the years between us and offered forgiveness. A week later, I found out that they had decided to take my ex-husband off of life support. True and I raced up to the hospital and we went up to the ICU and the family was gathered around him and I looked to my ex-mother-in-law who's the matriarch of the family and just kind of non-verbally asked for permission to enter and she waved for True to come on in and so he walked over to bed and held his daddy's hand. And he said, I love you, Daddy. And I'm gonna miss you. But I'll see you in heaven. Having the opportunity to walk out that step was huge. Uh, It was huge for me spiritually and emotionally. I I got the closure that I needed in that moment um, before he passed, but More than that, when I offered forgiveness and I offered amends, I knew that we were good. I think having gone through that amends process uh, was what allowed me to accept forgiveness from myself.
0: I don't know if you caught, but you didn't say the specific words. But what you can see in her words are someone who is not enslaved to the past. If you miss the whole motive and and message of that story, is that forgiveness can set you free. It, It doesn't mean that there's not pain. I'm not trying to teach that, and you ought to not own something like that. Forgiveness does not remove the pain. Saying I'm sorry does not remove the pain. But it does remove the shackles of the past. It does allow some healing to begin to take place. And if you're open to the conversation, if you're willing to at least track with me and go at what would forgiveness look like? How, David, could I actually get access to forgiving that person or those people? What I would tell you, I believe forgiveness is supernatural. I believe forgiveness is not a natural, emotional, just willpower kind of a moment. I believe that it's supernatural. I believe actually in a lot of the major pains in life that you and I, we have to, we need to involve God, and so here's what I would tell you, give God permission to change the way you feel. See, a lot of times we think that we've got to jump all the way to the very end. And that we've got to restart a relationship with someone that really hurt us or, or that we have to be best buddies again or, or family just needs to be back to normal. And that's what we think forgiveness. And I would say, no, no, no. And in fact, forgiveness can occur in the relationship, not come back. Many of us, if you want to begin to step toward forgiveness, have you ever considered the idea of just praying to God about the feelings you don't have? Where maybe, the, maybe your prayer daily and multiple times during the day is, God, help me want to forgive. I mean, Sometimes we think, like, well, can I say that to him? Well, one, he knows. <laughs> he, he's God and he knows everything. But it begins to build a relationship with God that maybe you don't have where you actually go to him with the real stuff. Saying, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive this person. It's healthy for me, but I don't feel like it and I'm not sure I want to. So, God, will you help me want to? Forgiveness to happen. If you want to take steps toward that, that's the advice, the guidance. I think that's what the Bible teaches us is that you start to involve God in this if you haven't already. Now, some of you are like, I don't even want to pray that prayer. I mean, if you got to know where hurt takes us, pain takes us, pain often takes us to a place that we don't even want to engage that, that we actually become addicted to the pain that is in our life. All the while our soul just crumbling because every day, every relationship, every decision is governed by the fact that that person hurt us and we just think and focus on that. In other words, the opposite of what God does, it is on front and center of our mind all the time. So if I can't teach you to say a prayer to God and, and to involve God, I can remind you of something. Here's where I found it in Romans. Romans 5 says... But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Now, if you're like, I'm not sure. Okay, you got to get what this is. Why we were still doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Why we were still sinning. Why we were still rebelling. Why we were making choices that were harmful to us and to other people. Why we were in our rock bottom moments of hurting people or, or rejecting God or rejecting it. While we were still sinners. Let me just say it this way. Before we ever said we're sorry for what we're doing, Christ died for us. See, when we talk about being a Christian and following Jesus, this is potent. Christ died for us. He made a choice to die. In other words, you're like, what does that mean? That, that forgave our sins. He paid the penalty, the debt for our sins. He said, I know they haven't accepted it, and everyone won't accept this and believe this, but I'm still gonna do it and make it available to anyone and everyone. I will die for people's sins because I love them so much. He did this before we said we're sorry. See, this helps you and I, if you're not willing to pray a prayer like, God, change my heart, help me be willing to forgive, help my feelings even in this, you can press into something very true about you and about God. Here it is. Remembering God forgives when we don't deserve it. Helps us forgive others when they don't deserve it. I mean, I, I want to press that over to you. Uh, maybe you've been thinking about how that person doesn't deserve it, and frankly, they haven't warranted it. In fact, they're still hurting you or saying things, or, or they're absent, or they betrayed you. Maybe you can't even resolve the relationship, but they do not deserve forgiveness. You've locked that in, and, and frankly, you're right. They don't deserve it. They, they, it's not a gift that you even want to give to them, but you need to make sure that you do not neglect who you are and who I am. We got forgiveness, and we didn't deserve it. it's so easy, and I don't want you to live this kind of lifestyle where you and I get in this habit of saying, Thank you, God. I want forgiveness from you, God. I know I don't deserve it, but boy, do I want it? I need it. Please give it to me. But I'm not going to give it to these people who don't deserve it. Don't be that kind of a person. So hopefully I've left a blank for you. Here's the blank that I intended to leave for you. I told you that, that God forgives our sins. In other words, he, does not, he forgives our sins and doesn't remember it. He doesn't keep it on the front of his mind. You should be asking the question, why has God chosen to not hold our sins against us? Why has God chosen to forgive and, and not put it at the front of his mind? Why doesn't he see us and our sin all in this mess? Why does he not put that as a focal point even after he forgives us? Well, I can tell you it's because he, he's already paid for it. He's already taken your sin, my sin, and and the consequences to that, he's already paid that, and it doesn't make sense to dwell on it. In other words, when the debt is paid, it doesn't make any sense to focus on it. I mean, if you think about that just logically in your own finances, if you pay off your car loan and you keep budgeting for a car loan and talking about like, boy, honey, we got to make the car payment. And your your spouse is like, we don't have a, we got to keep doing this. We got to keep earning it. It's paid. And so God's like, why would I dwell on something that I've already paid for? And it becomes a beautiful moment for you and I to recognize that you may not want to forgive someone because they don't deserve it. But that's not how God is engaging you and I. He's like, yeah, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to pay for their debt. Whew. So Jesus came to this earth, let his body get nailed to a cross, all for a sacrificial moment. He was perfect, so perfect that he was able to pay for all of our imperfections. So as you and I try to wrestle down the reality of forgiving another person, do not neglect the fact that God already wrestled our sin to the ground. And he paid for it. In fact, even further than this, by Jesus' sacrifice, he did something incredible for us. Matthew 27 talks about something. Let me show this to you. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom now at first glance you're thinking that's not a good paragraph you've got a conversation about jesus on a cross and now we're talking curtains i don't understand so let me help me illustrate this that curtain that curtain he was describing in this is that in the typical tabernacle or or the temple or our version of church there were sections sections you could not go to there was a section that you're allowed to be in, and many people could be in there. But then there was a section called the Holy of Holies that no one could go in there because the presence of God dwelled there. And to separate the two so that no one got confused because if you went into the Holy of Holies, you died immediately. They separated it with a curtain so that you knew you don't go in there. You're not allowed to go in there. And so there's this curtain that's there, and if you read more of your Bible, you learn some significance. See, God was not accessible to everybody in the way that you and I know him to be accessible now. So what changed? Hebrews 10 tells us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. See, it was common to refer to, especially in Scripture, to Jesus as the curtain. In other words, Jesus as the way to the access to God. And so when Jesus died, as I read to you, that curtain tore. There was not a person tearing it, for those of you who are skeptics. You didn't touch that curtain. It tore I believe by the hand of God and if you wonder well, why did it tear because God was saying you may now have access to me see the death of Jesus removed the barrier between us and God See, you may not want to pray to God God help me want to forgive that person but I would be wrong if I didn't remind you that you didn't deserve it And God went to the lengths of sacrificing his one and only son, so you and I could have access to him. So wherever you are on the forgiveness conversation, I beg you, don't connect forget to forgive. Don't devalue the power of grace. So here's what I want us to do. All of our locations here in a moment, are gonna participate in what's called communion. If you're unfamiliar with communion, don't liken it to just a religious act or tradition. It was Jesus saying, listen, listen, I want you to remember something. I want you to put something on the front of your mind and I want you to push everything to the side and I want you to put something on the front of your mind and so for thousands of years the church has gathered and at moments had what's called communion together where we drink some grape juice and eat some bread remembering that Jesus' body was broken, in other words the curtain was torn and His blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven. So if you're unwilling to forgive other people, I just want to point out to you. You have been forgiven, and I encourage you to believe that and own that. So here's what we're going to do at all of our locations. I'm just going to give you some time with God, where you process with him, private conversation. God, do I have any barriers up between me and someone? And in other words, do I have bitterness in my heart? Or maybe you've got that resolved, but you need to press into, God, do I have anything between you and I? So here's what I'd like you to do. Just to free up distractions, I'm going to give you some time. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and you have a private conversation with God about barriers you might have.